Hello, beautiful Soul Confessions listeners, and welcome to episode one with me, Tara Lee. A massive thank you for choosing me to tune in to today. As this is a brand new podcast, I want to take a moment to talk about what you can expect and what has brought me here to be sharing some really personal experiences with you. The catalyst was a search for freedom. For too long, I found myself trying to achieve an ever-growing task list, where every day was literally a marathon. My life lacked balance. I decided I needed to take time out from the world to reflect, recharge, and find my breath. Part of the self-discovery process was to reflect on my history and all of the things that have made me who I am today. I have never really told my story, not even to myself. Going through the process enabled me to see some parts of my life with new clarity, to see the things that led me to the point of needing to take a break. In telling it to myself, many emotions have risen to the surface. I now realise how much I've carried for so long. The idea to share came from others who had heard parts of my story over the years and suggested I write a book. So maybe this podcast is my audiobook. So many things have happened in my story that need to be brought out of the shadows and into the light. By sharing and bringing my stories into the light, I feel that my pain can transform into a gift. And maybe, just maybe, another person can find courage to create change in their own life, to find freedom, happiness, or any of the things they seek. Several months into this journey of self-discovery, the space has allowed me to appreciate the simplicity of life and have more gratitude for where I am right now. After all, the now is all we will ever have. The first episode is titled Ghost Stories. I wondered if I should include them as part of this podcast. But after thinking about it, the stories I'm about to share in this episode have had a pretty big impact on my life. I always knew from a young age I was sensitive to energies. I could understand people and places very quickly. You might say I always trusted my intuition. What I knew came naturally so I did not talk about it much until more recently years. I've always had a knack of knowing. I think the experience of living in a haunted house meant that I've always had an open mind and believed what came from within rather than what others could tell me or prove to me. I think that's what I take from these experiences. The other part of the reason for sharing is a little more self-indulgent. Most of us just love a good ghost story. We love trying to unravel a story that has given us goosebumps, asking ourselves, is there a logical explanation or is it possible that it's something from the other side or is it our imagination playing tricks on us? Well, I have loads of these stories to share and I will let you be the judge. What is interesting is at the point in time when we moved into the old house, there was a shift in my life. My path became more challenging as the family unit weakened. The years spent in this house were some of the most difficult in my life. The ghost stories were only one aspect, which we will delve into now. 
the haunted house. It all started in 1986. I was 11 years old when we moved house. It was the year this house turned 100 years old. That anniversary always played on my mind. Such a round number. Was it time for something to happen? Something to come out of the woodwork, so to speak? The house was dark, gloomy, cold and appeared unloved. When we arrived, it had torn wallpaper, graffiti, wild paint colours, threadbare carpet and interesting laminate choices, to say the least. It also had a hole in the roof that needed a bucket placed under it when it rained and the list goes on. It was a real fixer-upper. It seemed every visitor, young or old, that came over experienced feelings of unease and feelings of being cold in the home. But in some strange way, my mother always adored the house she called home. She was protective of its craftsmanship and challenged by maintaining its heritage. She was caught in the romance she conjured of the Victorian era. It all started on my first morning waking up in the new but very old home. It was about 5am when I heard some strange noises. The sounds of clickety-clack, clickety-clack were coming from the hallway which was just outside my bedroom. Like many Victorian-era homes, the hallway was very long, wide and tall. It ran the length of the house with all of the rooms coming off it. The clickety-clack was wooden sounding like a noisy trolley with something that rattled as the wheels turned as the trolley moved. That's the best way I can describe it. The clickety-clack noise lasted about an hour. I was petrified and I could not move. I was frozen in my bed. I was certainly not getting up to go to the bathroom, which I badly needed to do. When the noise finally stopped, I got the courage to get out of bed that very first morning. As an 11-year-old, who had not heard much about ghost stories or seen many, or maybe any, scary movies. I did not know what to make of the events of the morning and did not mention it to anyone. To this day, I don't really know why, probably because I could not understand what I was to describe. The very next morning, the same thing happened. About 5am, the sound of clickety-clack could be heard up and down the hallway up and down the hallway. It lasted again for about an hour. Again, I resisted the urge to go to the bathroom. I stayed in bed and waited for the noise to stop. I had slept the first two nights with my bedroom door closed and was too scared to open it as I might see what was creating the noise. I can't recall how many mornings this happened for, but eventually the clickety-clack stopped. But then other things started to happen. It might have been about one to two years later that we had a dinner party. The house had very large rooms and I remember the largest room in the house needed to have a dining table made for it. It was made to seat about 12 people and probably could fit more if you sat closely together. This particular night must have been the first night we used the table and it was filled with family and friends. It must have also been winter, as the dining room door was closed, and it was dark when we started eating. 
Mum was always closing the doors to the big rooms to keep the heat in, or at least try to. Those rooms were always so damn cold. It was like fighting a losing battle trying to keep the heat in. I recall at the time one of my sisters worked odd hours and was expected home any time from when we started dinner to when we would have been finishing it, so we did not wait for her to join us. On this night, I would say it was between 6 and 7pm, we heard what I can only describe as stomping up and down the hallway. Yes, the same hallway. Up and down, up and down, the stomping went. It felt like there was anger and thunder in those steps. It was so intense to witness. I was sitting at the dining table with the other 12 or so guests. I felt the vibration of the stomping in my feet, travelling through the Baltic floorboards to where I was sitting. I was approximately 10 metres from the hallway. It was a very large room. It was not only me, but the other guests also commented on the stomping. The conversation became that it must be that my sister is home and just getting changed before she joins us. Then the stomping kept going and I remember thinking, or perhaps I even said, she's taking a while to change and it's strange she's not popped her head in to say hello and at least let us know that she's home. We all explained away the events and waited for her to join us. That is, until what happened next. As the thoughts of my sister just needing time to join us passed, we witnessed what we did not think was possible. My sister walked past the window. She was outside the house and walking along the garden path towards the back door. She was just arriving home. The family and the guests in the dining room fell quiet. Our complexions collectively became much paler as the blood drained from our faces. It could not have been her that was making the stomping noises. In the weeks or months after this event, while being teased by one of my sisters, she blurted out to me something along the lines of, By the way, we've got a ghost in the house. Mum and your sister don't want you to know because you'll get scared. It's not just what happened the night of the dinner party, but there are other things that have been happening too. We've been having lots of disturbances around the house. Wow, she was trying to scare me. But the funny thing is, I was actually more curious than scared. Then the disturbances got more and more frequent and more and more violent. Typically they were during the day and the early evening. That is unless we were very heavy sleepers. In the months after the dinner party, some stories were shared with me, but they were light on detail, given my age and mum did not want me to be scared. That was until the disturbance I witnessed in the kitchen. I remember I was in the lounge room next door to the kitchen watching TV. It was before the six o'clock news and it was still daylight. We'd not started dinner yet that night. The door between the lounge room and the kitchen was closed. I was sitting in the armchair when I could hear the sounds of pots and pans being moved in the cupboard. We kept the pots and pans in a full-length cupboard in the kitchen right near the door to the lounge. The cupboard was about two metres tall with doors that opened outward. The intensity of the pots and pans being moved increased. 
They were not just being moved, they were being crashed and banged in the cupboard with force. The cupboard doors started being opened and slammed shut, opened and slammed shut. This went on for what seemed some time. It was probably a couple of minutes, but I froze in my chair. I remember thinking, I'm not going to open that door and see what's going on. Absolutely not. I kid you not, I could not have made the same amount of noise if I put all my force into it. As the females of the home were starting to talk about the unusual events, I also shared what had happened later that evening. Firstly, I asked who was home and were they in the kitchen making loads of noise at about six o'clock. Everyone said no, it was not them. Then I learned that mum and one of my sisters had witnessed nearly the exact same thing previously, but with footsteps going from the kitchen to out the back door. On this occasion, the back door was also slammed shut. My sister, who witnessed it, was also sitting watching TV in the same room as me when I heard the pots and pans being slammed in the cupboard. It was nearly a repeat event. When she witnessed it, she went and got mum, and then mum yelled at the ghost, and the noise immediately stopped. Mum and my sister went to look at the back door, as it sounded like someone had opened the door, walked through it, and then closed it shut behind them, albeit a slamming shut of the door. Mum and my sister then looked at the back door, only to find it was deadlocked closed. Mum hated the doors being slammed as she feared the old plaster would crack around the doorway. I'm sure she found the courage to front the ghost only to tell it off for slamming the door. Similar disturbances around the kitchen and the back door happened on numerous occasions. We regularly caught ourselves asking off-the-cuff, seemingly casual questions, like Mum would ask me, Did you come back home this morning? after you left to catch the bus for school? By this stage, we were all pretty wise, so I answered with a question. Why are you asking me? What happened? Mum then told me on this particular morning, at about eight o'clock, the downstairs door sounded like it had opened and closed, followed by someone walking up the timber stairs. This door could not be unlocked with a key from outside at the time. You were only able to open the door from inside, so it was impossible for me to come back into the house using this door. Besides, we barely used this door for access. I hear you ask, so did you move out of the house at this point? The short answer is no. Like I said earlier, mum was very much attached to the house and there was never the thought of leaving her beloved home. We pretty much accepted that things go bump or crash or bang or even stomp at this point. Fun fact, mum lives there to this day. The angry and violent disturbances dissipated in approximately 1994 or 1995. The house fell quiet once only mum and I lived there. The only reason I can think for this is that there was a marital breakdown between my parents happening in the preceding years. In some way, Perhaps the negativity of their relationship fed the the activity of the house. In other words, perhaps the ghost did not like Dad. That reminds me of another story. So there's lots of little stories along the way. 
um, and lots of repeated stories. So the the activity in the kitchen um, and the hallway, those things happened regularly. So I've only told sort of one one event. But going back to Dad's story, it reminds me um, he had an encounter one night. It was not just the women in the house. Um, while he and Mum lay in bed, there were creaking noises coming from the neighbouring bedroom, which was unoccupied at the time. Mum and Dad both wanted the other to go and investigate. I think they were both a bit scared by this stage with everything that was going on. Um, eventually, Dad manned up and um, went to investigate. He approached the door to the spare room. Then, right there in his face, the door pushed shut. That was all he needed to turn on his heel and head back to bed and hide under the covers. It turned out that the bedroom window was closed this night as well. When Dad left, the house fell quiet. The noisy spirit fell quiet. However, other things happened and guests continued to have uneasy feelings about the house. In more recent years, there's been a friendly ghost in the house and familiar sensations of hands being placed on shoulders or hands brushing other hands. This is the friendly ghost. These interactions are far more calm than the crashing and banging and stomping that had occurred in the 80s and 90s. Although some listeners might think that having a hand placed on your shoulder or brushing your hand is more than they would want to experience in any house. But I look at it as this is a more peaceful spirit that has not passed over to the other side when, when they've died and they need help. These more peaceful disturbances occurred right up until 2022. In the middle of the year, a house cleansing was performed. There were four spirits in the house. Three of them were lost and needed guidance to the other side. And the fourth one, well, the fourth one, let's say, was more trouble and was eventually sent to the appropriate realm. The house has fallen silent since the cleansing. There has been no more shoulder touching, hand brushing, stomping, crashing. It's been silent. I can say the house feels more welcoming, like a weight has been lifted. So that's the house I grew up in, and I was there for about nine years. I've got some other ghost stories from the 90s that I will share with you now. Now, they're not of the haunted house. They're more in the realm of Ouija boards and spirit attachments. So I think you better put your seatbelt on um, and buckle up to, to listen to these ones. So winding the clock back to approximately 93, 94, my general vitality seemed to be waning. I was constantly fatigued. I slept a lot. I was pale, disconnected, unmotivated, and was having unexplained cravings and salivations to drink alcohol and smoke cigarettes. I also lost my appetite. I struggled to eat full-size meals, and I was losing weight. I looked in the mirror one day and saw someone with a grey complexion looking back at me. If I had to find the words to describe what I saw, it was like someone who was having their life force depleted. I was confused and spoke to a couple of my school friends. By chance, one of them had a mum who was a spiritual medium 
It turned out that this lady was the who's who in the world of mediums at the time. And people travelled from far and wide for her help with really big spirit world problems. Oh yes, and she read tarot cards on the side. She was amazing. Going to that house was like walking into the Weasley house on the set of Harry Potter. So eclectic, welcoming and fun for a teenager. Nothing was off limits as she could read your mind anyway. She warned us about the world of Ouija boards. You should never have a seance as you never know what is coming through. Spirits fool you and lie just to come through. She did say that if we ever wanted to do one, she would let us do one in her home under her protection. When we actually took her up on the offer, we were under strict instructions not to leave the house without letting her know. We did the seance and followed the rules. I digress for a moment. I was talking about my lackluster health. My friend with the medium mum suggested I talk to her mum to see if there was anything she could help with. After all, everyone knew about the house I lived in. So within a few days, there I was with the medium mum, feeling a bit unsure and telling her what I just described about my health and cravings to drink and smoke, all of which was unusual. We both sat in the front lounge of the house. I gathered this is where all of her clients and people who needed help sat. She sat quietly for a few moments, her eyes closed as I watched awkwardly in silence. She then opened her eyes and said, yes, there is a spirit attached to you. Give me a moment. Her eyes closed again and she sent him to the realm he belonged. Once she had removed this entity, she spoke to me briefly. The entity was a man who had passed away via problems with the throat as she held her throat, most likely drowning or being strangled. She sensed he did like to drink and smoke too. She did not want to keep him any longer to find out more. He needed to be sent on. She did say that the cravings for drinking and smoking were him trying to feel that again as he did in life. And that was that. It seemed like we spent about 10 minutes together, but who knows how long it was. It also seemed pretty straightforward. Um, Not that I had anything to compare it to. I did not know the difference this would make to how I felt. She was certainly no doctor, but, you know, it was something that I could give a try and thought couldn't hurt. The next day I felt different like the storm cloud had lifted and sun was shining on me for the very first time. I thought to myself, wow, I feel good today. How can this be? I will see how I feel tomorrow. And if I can have two days in a row feeling good, and so on day two, I felt good again. The days accumulated and I stopped counting after a week. My health improved and the colour returned to my cheeks. I also started eating normally and gaining weight. Interesting story, and again, I will let you be the judge. I feel like I need to insert a disclaimer about this is not health advice at this point, but it was quite an incredible uh, experience to think that one day I felt awful and the next I started to improve 
and the difference was spending some time with this medium mum. From my perspective, it was quite incredible, but I'm not suggesting that it's health advice to, to any listeners. So you might say I had an intense introduction to the spirit world from the age of 11, fumbling through trying to make sense of it all. Eventually, I was fascinated more than afraid. I embraced any opportunity to learn how these things worked. I longed for a book to study all of these things. There was no handing down of spiritual knowledge in, it, in my family. Everything came from somewhere else back then. There was no Pinterest, Google, Instagram, Internet, none of that. Remember, this was the 80s and 90s. We barely had answering machines and remote controls and videos. I have wondered about the relationship between the house disturbances and my spiritual attachment. I'm not 100% sure of where the attachment came from. Was it the house or was it somewhere else? What I have not admitted to yet in this story is that yes, my friends and I did have seances that broke the rules and there could have been something that stayed with me. I'm not sure if any listeners have had a seance After what happened to me, I would absolutely tell anyone not to have one. The last one I had ended badly and I've never had another one. The more I think about it, my spirit attachment is likely to be linked to dabbling in these things that I should have left alone. But you know, teenagers will be teenagers. I hear you ask, so what happened with the seance, that final seance that I did? I don't tell this story very often, so listen closely. It was about somewhere between 92 and 94. I wanted to obtain a Ouija board so I could give a seance a try. I had heard people talking about them and I thought the stories were really cool. They had amazing questions and answers from the spirit world and it seemed like fun. There was always banter around who was pushing the glass or pointer. So I went into the Maya department store and asked if they sold them. I was told they were illegal to sell. What I didn't understand is how were all of these seances happening when you can't buy a widget board. Anyway, I decided to make one myself. I was not going to be discouraged. I finally had the board. My friends and I tried and tried to have the upside down glass move to no avail. We giggled and accused each other of moving it. That is, until one night. My friend and I decided we would try and have a seance. We were home alone at her house, and it must have been 11pm when we started. We tried to make contact for quite a while. No response. So we offered crystals to the spirit to gain energy. We were really desperate to make contact. We wanted to have this seance. Shortly after the offering, we suddenly had contact. The glass moved rapidly and there was no way either of us could have been controlling the glass we had our index fingers on. The glass was leading us. We struggled to keep up with it. There was no doubt that this was a real spirit we had. I kid you not, no doubt. The spirit seemed friendly, so my friend asked some questions that she often wondered. Her partner had past trauma that he would not talk about, things that if she knew would help her understand him better. She knew he had lost a sibling 
but little else. Understandably, they were painful memories. She asked the name of the child and some things about his sister. Clear answers came back. We also asked some silly questions like, who will we marry and other typical teenager things. Then the session took a turn. The words being spelt out started to make little sense. The movement of the glass became hurried and aggressive. The spirit became unfriendly and we asked it to leave. It refused. Not knowing what to do, we packed up the session. Knowing what I know now, that was not the right thing to do. Actually, we broke all of the rules that night. Number one being don't do a seance. But at the time, they were very common dinner party entertainment, at least in the circles my family moved in. What happened next kept us awake until dawn. I went to go to bed in the spare room. Then the house became filled with an unpleasant, strong smell. We thought we must have stepped in dog poo and walked it into the house. So we turned on all of the lights and checked the house. No accidents and no poo to clean up. So strange. Then my friend, who was intuitive, said she saw a little girl in the house. She suspected it was the little sister. I also recall her sensing bad energy in the house. We were both very unsettled and I did not sleep. I can't recall everything that happened that night, but in hindsight it's possible that through this dabbling, the spirit attachment was gained. For anyone who was wondering, the next day my friend brought up the subject of the lost sibling with her partner. Her name and the other information received about her was accurate. I feel like I've just described a maze of events that covered my life from the age of 11 to about 19. The funny thing is, these events only sparked my curiosity about intuition, the natural world and things beyond what we might be able to see or touch. I had more than ghosts to contend with in those years. I lived in a house where there was a marital breakdown. Sometimes the children are in the crossfire or at least they feel they are, sadly. But that is for the next episode. If you have any real-life encounters that can't quite be explained, I would absolutely love to hear from you. Please email me at soulconfessionspodcast at hotmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please show your support for the show by subscribing, following, rating and sharing. Thanks again for tuning in and have a great day.